Welcome to this episode of the Market Authority Show. Today, I want to extend a special welcome to the newest members of the Market Authority Academy. We have Kelly Rojas in Arizona, Courtney McGordy in California, and Amy and Sean McDonald in Nevada. I'm really excited to welcome you all to the Academy, and I am so pumped to celebrate all the successes that follow. So today we're talking to a dear friend of mine. I have for you Lindsay Fricks, a realtor with North & Co. in Scottsdale, Arizona. Lindsay and I met about a year ago, and she was just wrapping up her first full year as a full-time real estate agent. And she had kind of a killer first year. She crushed it. She sold over $5.4 million in sales volume. And that's a lot for a first-time agent. Um, She did a lot of it through open houses. She did a lot of it through really just grinding and scrapping that first year. And she decided that she wanted to take it a step further. And in December of last year, she reached out to me about my mentorship program, the Market Authority Academy. And she applied. We did her little interview, but I already knew that she was going to be a great fit. So I accepted her on the spot. I was really excited to have her um, as one of the first groups that went through the academy with me. And a year later now, she is on track to close $18 million in sales volume for her second full year as a full-time agent. Unbelievable growth. So Lindsay is going to break it down with us. She, in this episode, is going to share how she went from 70% of her business coming from open houses to almost 100% from database referrals, how she pivoted during the COVID-19 pandemic in this year, 2020, how she stays consistent on social media, and her journey to building an irresistible brand. She also kind of details her goals for 2021 and so much more. I cannot wait for you to meet Lindsay. I hope that you think that she is as cool as I do. I think that you're going to really love this episode. And she really shares all of the details into how she tripled her business in 2020. Here we go. Hey, I'm Stephanie Lugo, ex-corporate nine-to-fiver turned top producing realtor and coach. It wasn't all that long ago that my husband and I quit our nine-to-fives to start our real estate business together with no experience in the industry, just a dream for a life with more freedom and flexibility and the chance to impact others along the way. But it wasn't always easy and I remember what it felt like to lack the confidence, direction, and know-how that we needed to build our dream business. Fast forward through lots of work, failed attempts, and lessons learned, and you'll see what we've built today. A business that offers us more freedom and income than we ever thought possible and changes the lives of others every day. I created the Market Authority Show to enlighten the path to becoming an authority in your market. I'm here to share simple, actionable, step-by-step help and inspiration to build your dream real estate business with help from timeless principles and today's cutting edge strategies. Whether you're just starting out on your real estate journey or you've been around for a while, we've got a few tricks up our sleeve that you'll want in on. So let's dive in. Welcome to the Market Authority Show. Stephanie Lugo here, and I am joined by one of my dear friends, Lindsay Fricks from North & Co. in Scottsdale, Arizona. Lindsay, thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm honored to be your guest. Yeah. So, Lindsay, I wanted to have you on the Market Authority Show because this series, I guess, is really all about diving in and teasing out the secrets to what it really means to become an authority in your market um, in in the real estate industry, right? This industry is super fast paced and this business is really hard, but I'm constantly so inspired by your journey. And I just knew that you'd be a perfect fit and somebody that the audience would really love to hear your story. Um, So I'm looking forward to getting into all the nitty gritty. (laughs) me too I think (laughs) (laughs) well tell us a little bit about your story tell us about um, your journey into real estate um, and and how how you got into the business sure so um, I have been in real estate as a buyer 
um, since I was 22 years old. I bought my first house when I was 22. And so um, I've always been interested in real estate and loved real estate. But when I got out of college, um, I went to go work for corporate America. Um, I worked for General Mills for almost 10 years. So I spent um, 12 years total in corporate America before I, I decided to make the leap of faith out of it and um, following my grandma's footsteps, actually. So my grandmother was a realtor for 40 years in Illinois, and um, I spent all of my childhood summers with her, going around to her listing appointments and meeting with clients, and I just always was really in awe of her. She was like a pillar of her community, and I just loved that. So um, it really made sense for what my personal values and goals were. So I was uh, leapt in, let's see, uh, what three years ago now. That's awesome. So let me just make sure that I have all my facts straight. Last year, 2019 was like your first full calendar year in the business. Absolutely. So I went to work for a startup um, when I was getting my license. And so I was part time. Um, and then I got laid off on December 31st, 2018. And so um, I had to make some big decisions and I decided that I wanted to go full time and jump in head first and uh, do real estate full-time. I really feel like in this industry, in order to make it, you have to give it your 100% all. It can't be a side hustle or um, just kind of part-time in order for people to really view you as um, a real estate authority and as somebody that they're going to trust one of their biggest purchases with. You really have to be doing this 100% with all of your focus on it. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. And I think that's so funny that that's what happened to you because something almost identical happened to me, when my husband Bryce and I got into the business, we had um, left our corporate finance gigs on different terms. <laughs> we kind of, we quit, um, but literally we started January 1st, 2015. Um, so it was like the same thing where we had like kind of a sink or swim situation. And I really think that there was, there's a lot of different ways you can get into the industry, um, but kind of diving into the deep end does make you commit in a big way. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Failure was not an option in that scenario. Um, so I've always been somebody who's, if you're going to do it, you better do it 100% or not, none at all. Like that's just kind of how I am. So um, it's either 100 miles an hour or zero. <laughs> yeah. So it made sense for me. Totally. I totally agree. Um, so when we were talking, I have been really impressed with your first year. I think that you had a stellar first year and we always are our own biggest critics. So maybe you feel a little differently. Um, but you've had an even like more exceptional second full year in the business. Um, so tell me a little bit about the first year and where your mind at was going into this year, 2020. Yeah, the first year I was really just focused on reconnecting with my sphere. So um, I'd always had a job where I traveled three to four times a month. So I actually didn't have very deep connections. I'm not from Arizona. So I had really surface level friendships. So the first year was really spent like reconnecting with the people that I had those surface level relationships with and kind of going deeper. And so um, I did quarterly uh, client events and I did um, pop buys with little gifts for people. In fact, my first pop buy were um, homemade cake pops. Uh, because I had no money and didn't want to spend a bunch of money, you know, having somebody uh, make something or going and buying stuff. So I, uh, in my kitchen, made a bunch of cake pops and delivered them myself to um, the people that I felt like I had the deepest relationships with or the relationships that had the most amount of opportunity for me. Mm -hmm. um, so that was really my focus of year one was just like figuring out who my sphere was. Um, and I spent the majority of my time at lunches and happy hours all my first year. So it was all about those face-to-faces. Um, so moving into 2020, my real goal was consistency. So to do what had worked for me the year before, um, which was uh, in-person events and pop buys and really nurturing my sphere. And then hit COVID, which totally changed my plan, kind of. Um, so I took my uh, in-person strategy and kind of morphed it into a webinar strategy. So it's still that one-to-many approach of getting in front of a lot of people. Um, in this scenario, I was just creating more value by doing uh, buyer workshops, seller workshops, and then market update workshops. So consistency in terms of um, just being in front of people at least quarterly. Um, I also implemented a newsletter at the beginning of the year. So 
um, making sure that everyone's hearing from me at least once a month in their email inboxes, at least four times a year at their doorstep, um, and then all the time on social media. So that's yeah. really been the um, foundation of what my plan has been for 2020. And I will say it is paying off. <laughs> Yeah. So I want to talk about that. I want to talk numbers because I think that that's just really interesting. So tell us what you did last year in 2019. Oh, cheers, by the way. We both have our little cold brew or I have my cold brew, but Mason jar cheers. Hello. <laughs> um, so tell, tell me what the result, like the end result of 2019 was and what you're on track to do in 2020. Because what we're recording this, let's see, it's October in 2020 right now. So we still have a few months to go, but I think by this time of the year, everybody kind of knows where we're going to end up. So give us the numbers. I want to hear the details. Yeah. So, um, in 2019, I had set my goal at 4 million. I honestly had no idea, but I was thinking if I could do a million a quarter my first year, I would feel really great about that. Um, I wanted to make a hundred thousand dollars in my first year and mm -hmm. kind of the numbers were tying out that if I could do that much, I would get close to making um, a six figure income, which is was to me a pretty lofty goal for my first year in real estate. Um, so I blew that away and I came in at 5.4 million for 2019 and I was ecstatic. It was more than I could have expected and I did almost all of that doing open houses. So about 70% of my closes from 2019 were open houses. And then fast forward into 2020, I had set my goal to double. I thought that was aggressive enough, let's double the business. Um, let's try and get towards, I actually set it at 11 million was my goal. Um, and I'll tell you the first few months of this year, it didn't look like that was going to happen. I had, um, three non-producing months this year where I had zero closes. And was that all in the first quarter or? It was, um, so let's see, it was, uh, January, February and April. Okay. I had zero closes. And um, as you know, I lost a lot of business during uh, the market crash right when COVID hit. So that definitely put a cramp in my, my plans. But I, uh, I kind of wallowed in COVID for a month and then got it back together. And um, so now I'm on track and I should exceed tripling my business. So I'm on track to do um, Right now, what I have closing would be 16.2 million um, for 2020, which is just blowing my mind. That literally gives me goosebumps. <laughs> so, so tell me about how that, how you like actually managed to for that to happen. Um, because you said 70% of your business was open houses, but you spent a lot of time, you said, pouring into your sphere. And it sounds like you did not have like a crazy return from that in 2019. I'll tell how you. How did that change in 2020? Yeah, I was ready to give up on the sphere, mm -hmm. uh, but I think like most things, it just takes time to nurture those and people really want to see people succeed in this business before they refer you to somebody else. I think it's like anything when somebody starts, you know, an MLM or anything like that, like people want a proven track record of success. They don't want to be the first one to use you. And there's such a high failure rate in real estate that I see. I really feel like my sphere didn't believe I was like a real realtor until I had hit 12 months in the industry because um, my business this year, I have not closed one open house lead, although I had several of them in the pipeline. Um, but my business has been uh, almost 100% referral, referral and sphere. Um, I had my first repeat customer and I've gotten two, um, two leads that came in and closed just from people finding my reviews online. So um, it's been a very, very different makeup of where my business has come from in 2020. That is so crazy. So consistency seemed to have been a big factor. Um, what else did you find like really kind of built that trust and authority with your database to make people feel empowered enough to reach out to you when it was time for them to buy or sell, particularly in such a chaotic year? Yeah, it's been a, it's been kind of crazy. I think just showing up and being really vulnerable um, and being really honest with how I'm feeling and kind of sharing behind the scenes of what it's like to just be me and to be um, a real estate agent in this environment. Uh, there were times where it was really, really hard and I was not uh, shy about sharing that with people. 
Um, and I really feel like that drives very deep connections when people sense that you're being authentic and genuine and you're really there to help. And um, one of the terms you shared, you don't have commission breath. It's not about getting the paycheck at the end of the day. It's really about providing value. Um, that is definitely what I've done. And I've tried to become kind of the expert on things. I get calls all the time from like, hey, I've got a, a date and I want to go to this you know, I need a restaurant recommendation. Like nothing is a bigger honor than me to provide value outside of real estate. And so that's what I've really tried to do is it's not just about selling houses. It's how can I help people live a great Arizona lifestyle. And so that's about, um, you know, eating, shopping and local businesses. Um, but I have people all the time. I love beauty. So people are like, who would you go to to get your eyebrows microbladed? And I have a referral for that. So having uh, somebody for everything has just really been um, something that's like, it's not just I'm in your face all the time, like buy a house, sell a house, buy a house, sell a house. Um, that's not really what I'm, I'm here to do. I'm like really just sharing my lifestyle and how I think we can all just enjoy living in our amazing state. I love that. Yeah. I, and, and you do a really good job of sharing that in an authentic way, particularly on Instagram. So have you found that like, like what's the main vehicle driving that message to your database and your sphere? Is it social media? Is it a mix of the Popeyes and in person? Like, tell me a little bit about like where you are sharing those messages most and where you see the most responses. Yeah, I definitely think Instagram, uh, thanks to your coaching for sure, has become one of the biggest ways that I nurture my sphere. So for me, Instagram isn't about necessarily getting new followers. Uh, it's about staying in front of the people that I already have relationships with on a daily basis. So um, in addition to my monthly email blasts, um, to my quarterly pop buys, and in lieu of doing any events if we're able to, I have this daily um, avenue into people's lives via the stories. And so I try and update my stories. I try and do 10 a day. Some days I do 20, some days I do one, um, but it's really the best way to stay in front of the people who already know, like, and trust me. And it's just a reminder. I would say that more than anything has been the game changer with my sphere specifically is that they just see me on there all the time. They know I'm working hard. Um, they know I have great value. They know I'm successful. I'm getting amazing houses for people in a market where it's really difficult to get houses right now. And so mm -hmm. I think just that constant reminder every day consistently um, has been one of the things that definitely has been a game changer for 2020. I'm so glad I've put the time in to make sure I'm consistently delivering on my story specifically. Now my feed is a different story. That was more challenging for me, but the stories I'm here for. You do it so well too. And I'm always the first person to say like, I try not to spend too much time um, like stalking other real estate agents stories or, or their feeds, particularly because um, I want to really make sure I'm bringing like fresh ideas to my own and inspiration to my own. Um, and you know, I could get lost in real estate agents, Instagrams, cause there's so many good ones out there. Um, but yours particularly always like suck me in. And I always find myself like watching all the way to the end of the stories. So I'm like never swiping or tapping. Um, so you do such a good job of like sharing it authentically. And I feel like when you're talking on the stories, I think what you do really well is, you're speaking directly to me. You really like convey that like direct connection. And that's so hard for a lot of people to do. Um, but did it always feel super natural to do that? Or at first, like, how did it come to the point of it being like such a magnetic skill of yours? Because I think a lot of people get nervous when they think of stories like, oh my God, the last thing I want to do is put my face on the phone because I don't want to, you know, feel fake or feel like a fraud. How did you overcome that? Because you do it so beautifully. Yeah, that is definitely not something that came easy to me either. I am my own worst critic and I often have a lot of negative self-talk and I'm very, very hard on myself. So um, when I started in 2019, I was like, I need to get in front of people with something other than real estate. So I started Monday Motivation and I made it my goal to do a full year of every Monday getting on. And I had a book, The 52 Weeks of Positiv Positivity. And every Monday I got on and I read my favorite passage from the week before and just talked about like how that had impacted me, maybe related it to a personal story. And it was very uncomfortable. 
but I knew if I did it every week, it would get easier. And it took about six months for it to actually get easier and feel more natural. But being able to share vulnerably actually got me the support that I needed from Instagram and from my followers who are watching to really encourage me. So when you start doing that, you'll start getting positive feedback and it becomes easier and easier when you know your message is resonating with people. So it wasn't about real estate because let's be honest, my first full-time month in real estate, I wasn't a real estate market authority. Um, I didn't have all of the things that I, I wanted to talk about, you know, about what to expect when you're selling a home and you know how to win in multiple offer. I didn't know all that stuff then. So I had to share something that I knew, which was, you know, I like motivation and I liked sharing what was inspiring me with other people. So I did that for my first year. And so it was really just about setting up like consistent message. I knew every Monday I was going to talk about this on my stories and I knew I was going to show my face. Um, so you start doing it and then it becomes easier. And some of the other tricks I learned were, um, I do love to caption them because I think most people are listening to stories without actually listening. <laughs> they're, yeah. they're just watching them. Um, but I turn the volume down really low when I'm uh, captioning them so I can't hear my annoying voice or my flubs. And I try not to re-record anything. Um, so if I flub on what I'm saying, then I do. I'm a real person here. I'm not a professional. Um, this is not pr produced. And I think that raw, genuine... Um, you know, I don't always say the right thing and maybe I mix up my words and I put typos in my captions, but you know, I, I'm not here. I'm not an Instagram influencer. I'm just me trying to share my life and my story and my experiences, um, with other people. So it gets easier with time, but I think, uh, you have to just keep doing it. And if you set a goal, even a small goal once a week, uh, then it becomes easier for sure. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I think what I love the most about what you're saying is you gave yourself permission to be you, like warts and all. Um, like if you have flaws and stuff, or if you're not coming off perfectly polished, that's fine because who really is that way in real life anyways, you know? Yeah, I mean, I also did it with no makeup on first thing in the morning. And there was something really empowering about being so, you know, people be like, oh my God, you're so brave. And I'm like, Oh, I'm so brave to show up looking like myself. <laughs> I have so much courage. <laughs> you know, um, what I think is funny about that too is like, I've told you before, you're one of the most polished people I think I've ever met. Like when I've seen you, you and I met a little over a year ago now and like you and I instantly connected, but I never felt intimidated by you because you know, you know how there's always like a little bit of like trying to figure somebody out before you really, really know them. You and I instantly connected. You were totally authentic and real, but you're also like, per you, you seemed perfectly polished all the time. Like you have the beautiful hair, you have the beautiful outfits, <laughs> you always had your makeup on. And I was newly pregnant when we met. Zara's a mess half the time, <laughs> even though nobody knew it. Um, but I love how you're able to like, just allow yourself like, Hey, even if you have certain standards for how you show up most of the time, like you made a commitment to show up in the morning and maybe that meant that you didn't wear makeup and people loved you for it anyway. Yeah. Sometimes you just have to, I think more than anything, uh, being authentic and genuine and showing up as you are. I mean, I'll show up to showings dressed to the nine and heels in a dress. And the next time I'll show up with the same client wearing sweaty workout clothes. Love uh, you know, this is my real life. Like I not, I'm not trying to pretend I'm somebody other than one. I love to dress up and I absolutely love my hair and makeup done. I am all about beauty, but it doesn't always, it's not always the most practical thing to be, you know, ready all the time. I'm running around yesterday. I ate, uh, I stopped into the brokerage office because I didn't have time to get lunch and I grabbed Milano cookies and uh and a sparkling water from the free snacks and that was my lunch yesterday like you're just you know, I don't have time always to, it was great actually uh, but you know you don't always have time to be perfectly polished and neither does anyone else and i think especially throughout covid it just really showed me that like it's not about smoke and mirrors just because you are the best dressed person in the room doesn't mean you're doing the most amount of business or that people trust your ability to get the job done at the end of the day that's not why people hire me they don't hire me because my hair looks great or i have 
you know, beautiful eyelashes or whatever it is. That's not why people hire me. Um, and I, I had to learn that just through um, kind of trusting the process and getting over myself to a certain extent. It's like nobody actually, I think it almost sometimes has uh, the opposite effect. When you always look put together, I think people are, um, it's less interesting for one, but I think people just don't trust that as much because people want to be around people that are like them. And, um, you know, most people aren't perfectly polished all the time. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, and I think that that realization of, oh, to do a lot of business, you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be a certain kind of caliber of agents. You just kind of have to be yourself. That realization is one of the most important thresholds of success in real estate, I think, because once you get that, you give yourself permission to actually attach to the process and do the things that actually bring you business, which is something that I would say you've done really well. Um, especially in the last year, but tell me a little bit about like where those other aha moments were, because that is a really big aha moment in my mind that you may have had. Um, but what other big realizations did you have going from 2019 to 2020 that allowed you to continue to grow? Yeah. I mean, it, the, the one you just outlined is probably the most important is that my superpower is that I'm me. Um, and nobody else can be me. So uh, leveraging the heck out of just being yourself um, and knowing that the right people will find their way to you has been really game changer. And then the other is just having faith. Um, I came from, I'm not a religious person and I'm not very spiritual, but just believing that you can be successful and that the business will come and that in spite of market conditions, you can still come out on top. And um, I think that's, that's been one that's been really, really helpful for me this year, especially because there were some dark days at the beginning of COVID when I didn't know it was my first downturn and I was terrified. Mm -hmm. I didn't know, I didn't have the proof that I can, you know, go through a, a market condition that's really scary and, um, and come out on the, on top on the other side. And so just having the faith to be able to get through those has been, been really, really, really important for me. And then uh, I think this was something that recently I just really um, grounded myself in surrounding myself with people that are doing the business that I want to do, how I want to do it. And so my first year, I just lucked into being with a broker who was incredibly hands-on and had one of the most authentic and genuine uh, approaches to real estate. He doesn't do any marketing. He is just a great guy. And he does great business because he is a great person, has a lot of uh, integrity. And um, I just really learned a lot from him. And then when I switched over to my current brokerage, North & Co., it was really intimidating because we have top, top producers who are super flashy and doing you know, millions and millions of dollars of houses and, you know, selling $5 million, $6 million listings. And, you know, a lot of people wouldn't want to be in the same room with them because they feel inferior. And instead I leaned into it and I spent as much time with the people who are doing the type of business I wanted to do. And um, I think it's really true. The people that you surround yourself with have a big influence on, on what you end up doing. And I owe a lot of, I think my success and my mindset to surrounding myself with people who are doing the things that I hope to be doing in the future. And it's given me just like a lot of um, excitement and support and, and knowing that there's a lot of people out there that are like, yeah, I'm not special. So, you know, if I can do this, you can do it too. And that's, that's been really, really incredible. Like, why not me? Why can't I be doing, you know, a million dollars in, in gross uh, commission a year? Why not? Other people are, so I should be able to, too. Yeah, I love that. I think that's so important, too. It's, um, you know, I think a lot of us don't want to admit it, but there's so much of the mindset that can hold us back and, and kind of stunt our potential. Um, one thing that I'm always really impressed with is your creativity and your marketing behind, like, your brand, um, your actual marketing message, and the way that you're showing up for your database. So, like, if you're watching this and you're listening in on the show, go check out Lindsay's Instagram, check out her branding because you put a lot of work, Lindsay, in the last like year and a half into your brand. What have you found is the most important part of building a brand 
that is going to like deliver a killer message to the people that you're wanting to do business with because like you're magnetic. I love all of the visual things, but also all the messaging things. And I think I would imagine that's had a lot to do with your ability to cultivate more referrals um, and repeat business from your database. Yeah, I think branding's huge. I come from a, a background of working with companies like General Mills, which although they're a food company, really they're a brand company. They're a marketing engine and they have these fabulous brands like, you know, Cinnamon Toast Crunch and Betty Crocker. So fabulous. Um, <laughs> fabulous. Um, and so I always knew having a brand was really important. It's been something that from the very outset, I really focused on. And so I, I didn't, I kind of had to uh, go through some ups and downs to get where I'm at today before I decided I wanted to invest into a brand. So I took 2019 and really was understanding who I am, what are my values, what are the pillars of my brand uh, before I went into a branding design process with a professional who focuses on that. I would say that's the best money I've ever spent was going into the branding process. It was very challenging um, and it really forces you to look at you know, what type of a brand are you? Are you luxury? Are you affordable? Are you value? Um, you know, are you approachable? Are you, you have to go through all of these identifying exercises and it really helps you understand who your target market is. So understanding, you know, who my ideal client is. Um, we've done a ton of exercises like that together, Steph, through the Market Authority Academy, and just making sure that we understand like, who are we trying to reach? Where are they? What are they doing? What resonates with them? What media platforms are they on? And then just really diving deep on those. Um, so that's been, I would say, one of the most important things. Now, I didn't realize that I had a skill set in marketing until I had this beautiful branding package and really loved being able to connect with people in different ways through you know, print advertising and through um, social media and things like that. And I just love having a consistent look and feel that everyone knows. It doesn't even have to, they don't even need to read what I have on it. They know it's mine. Yeah. Um, I think having that recognition. Just for an example, I just, this is pure coincidence, but I keep this on my desk. Mm. This is a thank you card with your brand on it. <laughs> it's beautiful, but it has the same consistent level of quality to it that everything you has you have um, like down to your email signature, your website, your Instagram posts are all like very high quality. But I think one of the most important things that I'm hearing you say too, is it's not all the visuals. Like you've done additional work beyond just like the pretty logo and the pretty colors. Right. Like you break it down into the things that actually matter, which is the story, the strengths, the ideal clients and how to reach them. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, it's tough because that, that ideal client is consistently evolving too. So you have to really think about it multiple times a year. And every time you come back to what you're posting and sharing, it's what are people going through? And that, so my marketing message completely changed with COVID. Um, it couldn't be like, you know, the normal, hey, it's summer, like let's have some cocktails and have a pool party. Like nobody was doing that. So you have to be really sensitive and relevant to what's going on. So um, my message became, you know, everyone's now working from home and schooling from schooling from home. So is your space working for you? A lot of people it wasn't and they needed more space or different space. And now that they don't have to report to an office, they can actually be open up to a different geography and things like that. So messaging really has to change with what's going on. And as long as you're staying really relevant and in tune with what's going on in the uh, market around you, I think that that's, that's really key. So yeah, I love having the pretty things and I like them all to be beautiful and consistent and very recognizable, but the messaging is, is more important. I think at the end of the day, and it's, uh, to your point, I, you can get stuck following what other people are doing, but you really have to sit down and think like, well, what, what would I want to hear? And what is my ideal client? Um, what, what are they going through right now? And how can I um, offer them some value that might resonate um, that's going to inspire them to, to reach out to me and connect with me and maybe want to seek my advice or potentially do a transaction? Yeah, I, I think that you're spot on with that. And I argue that of um, the agents, the agents that do really well in my program and you're, you've done exceptional um, just in terms of like the agents that I've been able, lucky enough to work with, 
you've nailed this. And that was because you took the time to take a look at your individual client base and really compare that with what you had to offer. Um, and I think what I'm so impressed with what you've been able to do is completely shift the mindset away from look at me, hire me. And instead kind of like you're saying, look at your clients and see what did they need? Because that is the secret and you're totally right. It changes constantly, but not a lot of agents have the patience or even like the knowledge to be looking at that. And that's like how you pivot in times of crisis, or that's how you pivot when the market shifts, because all of us want to be in business a year, five, 10 years from now, but the circumstances are constantly evolving and we have to be able to evolve with that. And I think that's something that you've done absolutely extraordinarily well. Thanks. It's uh I've always been pretty resilient and I mean, but I wouldn't lie. It comes with a ton of hard work. I work probably more than most people do um, on an average week. I, this is not just a 40 hour a week job for me. I work at this every single day and I put my heart and soul to it. My real estate business is my lifestyle. There's not a difference, uh, at least today in personal versus professional they all kind of blend together and that's what i've needed to do to invest into making my business successful and i'm really happy with how that's going is that always going to be sustainable am i always going to have this um, sorry for the dogs in the background i'm a dog person it's cool <laughs> work from home life uh, but yeah am i always going to have this amount of energy passion and intensity around working all the time probably not um, and now I'm starting to get to a point where I've hired a full-time assistant who is licensed and can help alleviate some of that, but there's absolutely nothing that can replace hard work and tenacity in this industry. And there are a lot of people that are like, I, I want more flexibility. This is the least flexible job I have ever had. I have no flexibility. I can't, I, I really don't have the opportunity to be able to travel like I used to. Um, and you know, I'm getting there, but I'm in business building. Your first five years are about building the foundation that will set you up for having a four year career, um, doing, you know, insane amounts of business, but I'm not going to take my foot off the gas until I feel like I've got a well-oiled machine. And if that means I need to invest five years of really, um, putting my head down and working, I'm going to do that. But I also, it's just like in my innate, uh, I was raised by very hard workers and uh, I'd rather be working than doing most other things, which is probably unique about me. <laughs> well, I think that it's a really necessary skill, right? Like the commitment and the resilience, the hard work, like those are all terms that fit top producers. Um, and it doesn't necessarily have to come naturally. So even if it comes naturally to you, like it never came naturally to me. Like I'm the person that wants to wake up at 11 AM. I'm the person that wants my weekends. And at this point in my business, I'm a, I'm a little ahead of you. I'm six years in. I've, my husband and I have have built the systems to support us at that point, but you build the systems on that foundation of like the business space that only comes from years of pouring into it. So like for us, we were the same way. The first three, four, even, even up until the last year, it was seven days a week, you know, on call until 10 PM. And only now this year we, we had a baby, right? So like, we're not doing showings past 7 p.m. anymore. We have, you know, people that can help us do that. We're not taking calls and emails at like 10 p.m. anymore. We're not doing things during bedtime routine with the baby. Um, and I truly don't think that we would have had that luxury, you know, three years ago. Um, so to your point, like it really does come to like that level of consistency um, and every day showing up and doing the work. Um, and to that end, I'd love to know a little bit about your process, um, as far as like marketing to your database. So like you've done it so consistently, you did not see the results you were hoping for the first year, which I think anybody would get frustrated with, but, um, how did you approach that process for 2020 knowing that like if enough time was put into it, it would return? Like what is your approach to it now and how do you create a plan that you can stick with and stay consistent to marketing to your database? 
So I've kind of taken the approach of I start with one thing and then once I feel like that's a well-oiled machine, then I add something else. Okay. Um, so I started with doing like quarterly mailers and then, um, and then I started by doing a monthly newsletter. And so I just keep layering on top. And once I feel like I've got like a refined system for um, whatever I'm doing, then I add the next layer. So once I got my um, newsletter up and running, then I decided I really, I really wanted, I've seen some great results from farming and I really want to work my neighborhood. So I started farming in June. I have gotten nothing out of it, um, but I put a budget in place to be able to support this farming activity, which costs me about a thousand dollars a month. Uh, and I'm planning to do it indefinitely. Um, because I know that with consistency, it will work. Uh, it just takes time. Everything has this really long incubation period. Even, you know, when you meet a client, my average uh, time from when I initiate a client until close is 122 days on average. Mm -hmm. uh, some of those are well over a year at this point. Uh, you know, I have somebody closing in November that I've had them, I've been working with them for 492 days. <laughs> like, it's... And um, it, it takes a long time. So I think figuring out what you're good at, what you will do, and what is authentic to your, like, I'm not going to cold call. I learned that the hard way. I bought leads my first year thinking like, I'm going to do online leads. This is a shortcut to success. And guess what? I spent a boatload of money on people I never called or emailed because I didn't like it. It felt spammy. It was uncomfortable. I'm not going to do it. Um, you know, a lot of people have been incredibly successful door knocking. It's just also not my jam. Mm -hmm. I don't want to I don't want somebody to knock on my door. So I'm certainly not going to go knock on somebody else's door. So you have to just do the things that work for you and whatever they are, pick them and really highly invest into them. So, you know, I love getting mail. There's nothing more exciting to me than getting mail from somebody I know. So what do I do? I mail people. Um, whether that's a thank you note after an important interaction or, you know, somebody having me over for dinner or going to lunch or just providing me some value. I love sending mail. So I always send handwritten birthday cards, handwritten thank you notes. Um, I, I'm always constantly trying to be in people's inboxes because you get today, I got like 352 political pamphlets and <laughs> handwritten note. Um, and you want to know what I did? Throw all of the, all of the spam away. And I was so excited about that one handwritten note. Um, I love dropping people things off on their doorstep. To me, I love it. I like sleuthing up to their doorstep, leaving it there, and then texting them, hey, just left something cute at your door. And it's just a great way for me to engage with people without having to like, it's not a ton of effort. It's not a ton of expense. Um, and people really appreciate those added touches. But that might not be right for everyone. Um, gifts is my love language. So to me, that is how I show my sphere that I love them is by driving over to their house and dropping off a little cocktail kit. Um, these are things that just are authentic to me. So pick the things that you will do and do them really well. So that would be my, my biggest kind of secret there, I guess. Yeah, no, it's so good. I'm loving that you're sharing that because here's, here's some of the things that I'm picking out that I'm really loving. One, you didn't just open up the books for 2020 with like this massive, robust marketing plan, which you can do. Like you can do that, but that might not be sustainable for most agents, especially when you're just starting to learn how all of it works. Um, and I'm a big believer that you're never really done. It's kind of like the brand that we were talking about. The branding is never really done. It's constantly evolving and so should your marketing plan. So like you approached it with, I'm going to do one thing that I love to do. And then you just keep adding on. And then, you know, a year later you have a really robust plan and you have the systems in place to keep it going, especially when you begin to onboard new people to help you. Like your assistant, I'm imagining can take a lot of that work off your plate as she's getting up to speed, that kind of thing. Um, tell me what your marketing plan for 2021 is like, what just a high level, what do you think you're going to do? Is it like monthly, you know, newsletters and then quarterly Popeyes or tell me what the plan is. It's going to be very similar to, um, to 2020. Um, obviously it's working. So I'm going to just keep going with what's working. Um, I think I'm being just a little bit more planful about how I strategize against each of my lead sources. So um, you know, I'm still kind of on the fence of whether open houses is something I want to get back into. I've been doing them on listings, but it hasn't been a huge focus. 
Um, so really uh, the other things that I'm working are referral um, and how do I really, really love on the people for referrals. And so that's going to be more of what I've been doing with my quarterly Popeyes. I'm really hopeful to add in-person events. And so um, my in-person events are not like, you know, come and listen to me talk about real estate. I did a flower workshop last year. Um, I have hopes of doing like a candle making workshop, just things that are fun that people like to do. And it really, this is not about, uh, transacting at the end of the day for me. It's just about continuing to meet people and make real connections. And so I'm trying to figure out what that looks like in the COVID world mm -hmm. uh, when I've really had a lot of the things where I shine and I like, um, like hosting in-person events. That's been not part of my 2020 plan. It was part of my 2020 plan, but it was stripped out. Um, so hoping to add some of that back in for 2021 um, and just kind of continuing with what I'm, what I'm doing. Um, but not, not getting uh, too, too reliant on the fact that the business is coming pretty easily right now um, because you know what you got you here won't necessarily get me to the next echelon. So I'm still exploring that. I've been doing some you know, research on should I be doing Facebook advertising? Should I be doing gating, gated content? Um, should I be doing more videos? Should I start a YouTube channel? And so these are things I'm exploring, but. Um, I'm still really trying to understand what is going to resonate best with my clients. And so right now I'm just going to stick with what my, my 2020 plan was, um, carrying it into 2021 with maybe a spin, um, spin on it. I'm thinking about doing maybe themed months where I have a theme month around content for, um, just for Instagram blogs and things like that. So, um, again, I think it's just going to be consistency of keeping on doing what I'm doing. And if the right opportunity comes to me and I feel like it makes sense with my brand and feels right, um, then I'm probably going to do it, but not going to try and change what's working, just kind of trying to enhance, refine and get it more systematized and, and more manageable, I think is, is probably the biggest thing that I'm focused on for 2021. It's efficiency. Love that. I love that. Um, so what I'm hearing, and tell me if I'm wrong, I think that if you really distill it down, one thing that keeps coming up is you started with the opportunities that were available to you. Like you looked at your database and you built that out. Even at first when you didn't see the return from it, you really nailed that down. And now you're to the point where you can start thinking of other ways of investing in your business to scale, right? It's like get in front of new audiences and new groups of people. But like, would you agree that it was really diving into the relationships that you already had and the ones that you were nurturing that had the biggest return for you this year? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. So initially when I started full-time, I started with the age-old exercise of write down every single person you know and categorize them yeah. um, to, you know, people that you could call and it wouldn't be uncomfortable to people that you haven't talked to in a few years and it might be a little weird if you reached out to them. Um, and I just kind of came up with a plan of attack for each of those categories. It's still the same today. I still have my, you know, my VIPs, um, and you know, I have a strategy against my VIPs and then I have kind of the catch all, which is, um, my blog updates and my newsletters. Um, so I think it's just having strategy against, uh, each of the different types of contacts, but definitely leveraging the sphere is I think the number one thing people can do. And I think people also underestimate um, how big their sphere is because they don't take the time to actually write it down um, and go through that exercise of categorizing it, even if it's 10 people. My grandmother started her business um, with open houses and she invited nine couples to her first open house that she was holding on another agent's listing. And she can track almost 40 years of real estate to those nine couples. So you don't have to have a giant sphere. You just have to really take care of the people that are in your sphere and the rest will come to you. It doesn't have to be real estate related. It's just about developing deep, authentic connections. One of my favorite phrases is friends with professional benefits. Um, and that's really what I'm trying to do here. I'm trying to just make genuine friends. And if it turns into a transaction, awesome. Um, if not, then I have more friends, which is cool. So yeah, I think, does that answer your question? Yeah, totally. Um, and then you know, implementing social media with that as like another deep touch point. Um, and I, I think that your approach to that has been really well too. Like, I think where a lot of people get lost with social media is trying to find the new contacts and focusing on numbers and like, you know, 
quantity instead of quality. Um, so tell me a little bit about how you're planning to continue to wrap people in with social media and stay in front of them using that platform. I'm going to continue doing the stories and just sharing authentically. Um, I kind of figured out now what people like to see from me. And so I'm going to continue staying consistent with that. They really love those like sped up home walked throughs that I do, which is so yeah. bizarre to me, but people love them. So I get a ton of engagement on those. Um, pretty house pictures, uh, my dogs, my just like genuinely like restaurants and those kinds of things. So I'm going to continue to share that. I need to really elevate what I'm sharing on my newsfeed though. And I'm really looking to incorporate reels and video. So that's been something that I have not been uh, really good at because I haven't spent the time to really get into it. But I think that's really the next medium that I need to move into in terms of social is doing the reels on Instagram um, and really getting that micro content out there that is um, you know, kind of basically how everyone is, is ingesting marketing these days is through these small 15 second clips of really high value information. So trying to kind of implement that into the 21, 2021 strategy um, is definitely something that's on the horizon. Even if that means I have to hire somebody to help me figure out how to do that, um, I really think that's going to be a really good return on expanding my reach because I think that's really what I'm seeing people who are um, growing and making bigger impacts are doing it through video. So that's going to be a continued focus. Yeah, and video, I totally agree. That's been a huge push for us in 2020 and something that I want to continue doing in 2021 as well. Um, how much time are you spending on Instagram today? Good question. Uh, less than it gets easier with time. Yeah. Um, so you can spend less time and get more return. Uh, the more you do it, it's just like anything you get better at it with time. So it doesn't take me, you know, it used to take me like an hour to post a story. Um, and now I just throw it up there and don't even worry about it. So, yeah. um, so I would say I'm spending probably around 30, probably 30 to 45 minutes a day on Instagram, which probably sounds like a lot to people. Um, but I'm, I'm doing a lot of like DM responding and things like that. So it's actually engaging. So I'm going to categorize it as prospecting to be perfectly honest with you, because I'm connecting with people. These are real people, uh, yeah. either they're in my sphere or, um, they're kind of emerging into my sphere. And so I'm having those conversations on there and it's productive time for me. It's become one of my biggest, uh, tools within my business. And so, yeah, it's social media, but it's a business tool at the end of the day. So. Yeah. I'm happy to be on there as much as I need to, to stay in front of my people. Sure beats cold calling, <laughs> if you ask me. Yeah. yeah, it's like the the modern day cold calling, you're just spamming people with your uh, Instagram stories. Yeah, exactly. And then they willfully answer them. So you don't even have to con anyone into re responding to you or answering your phone call. I think that's so funny because if you look at the numbers, cold calling, um, I think the conversion is two to five on the high end of every hundred calls that you might make will answer. Um, whereas one in four stories will result in a direct message on Instagram, which is really yeah. kind of fun. It's like, it's almost like fishing with dynamite in a way, but the dynamite is really fun and positive and informative. <laughs> yeah. I mean, sometimes it becomes a little overwhelming and sometimes I get a little bit of the social uh, like, Oh, fatigue. I'm like, okay, I don't, I'm, I'm done sharing, especially if I've been ultra vulnerable on something, I'll have like a little vulnerability hangover and like, okay, I share too much. I need a break. Yeah. Uh, but you know, in general, it's a really fun, positive way to connect with people. And I get a ton, a ton, a ton of feedback from it. And although I don't have any direct, like I have this person that I met on Instagram that I closed, I can attribute the bulk of my referrals and sphere to staying in front of them via Instagram more than any other marketing vehicle there is out there. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, I was I was telling you that like we have similar kind of approaches to the way that we do business and like it's very database heavy for us and then social media is a big part of um, not only maintaining that database but expanding it and um, like we've we've seen similar results and that it's just, it's so powerful when it's done right. One thing that I want to ask as we're kind of closing out is what is something that you would say to 2018 or 2019, Lindsay? Like if you had to t say anything to your younger real estate self, what would that be? Oh my gosh. That's a great question. 
I think I would just tell myself to get comfortable with being me and to be a lot nicer to myself. Um, I really feel like the biggest journey I've been on for 2021 is about being gentle and nurturing and loving to myself. And I've come a really long way. As much as I set number goals for 2020, my number one goal was my self-care and improving my negative self-talk. Um, and I am super proud of where I come from on that because there's a lot, this business people don't tell you is really isolating. It's so competitive and you can really get in your head and there's so much comparison, whether it's your hair or your outfit or your photos or your listings or whatever it is, there's so much comparison. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's really easy to get down on yourself because honestly, there's some like really well put together people out there that have. Um, you know, just everything seems to be right on the outside. And I think I, I just wish, uh, that my 2018 self knew that, that, uh, that the transformation through real estate would be more self-acceptance and the ability to live more authentically and genuinely. Um, and so, yeah, I think that's, that's really what I'd say. It probably wouldn't, it doesn't even have to do with real estate. <laughs> just that. That this career has really given me the freedom to be myself. I worked in the confines of corporate America and you had to be in a spectrum and act a certain way and dress a certain way and everything was dictated to you. And I've gotten to, um, choose who I want to be, how I want to do business and how I want to show up. And that has been really freeing. I love that. That's such a beautiful message for, for 2019, Lindsay. Um, so you did, uh, 5.4 in 2019. You're going to close out probably around 16 million in 2020. Um, kudos. Let's, like mind-blowing what's the hope slash goal because there's not there is hope involved but a lot of it comes down to actually doing the work what's the goal for 2021 so that's a great question and i have been uh really mulling around these numbers so i don't um i am somebody who likes to set achievable goals i think that's one of the things is achievable is always really important to me if i set these outlandish goals then i tend to be really negative on myself and punitive to myself when i don't reach them so um so my goal is going to be a two million per month um so i want to hit 24 million um which sounds like a pretty tall task as we're currently sitting here going from 16 to 24 feels aggressive uh, so I, I'm consistently delivering right around 3 million for the last five months a month. Um, so that's probably not sustainable every month. Um, so I'm just kind of, uh, running with the numbers and trying to figure out what feels sustainable. So, so that's where I'm at. I just hit 30 transactions. And so that's over triple what I did last year. So uh, I think 24. I mean, it's a stretch goal, but at the end of the day, I mean, other people are doing it. So why not me? I love it. Well, I hope that this time next year, we can talk about it and see how it went and talk about how the heck did you do 30 million instead of 24? <laughs> but I think that's a really good goal for sure. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, I mean, some people will think I'm crazy, but I thought I was crazy when I said 11 million this year and now I'm, you know, I'm going to be 5 million over that. So we'll see how it goes. Yeah. I'm wishing you well, and I'm sure that we are all going to be very impressed with your growth, <laughs> um, in 2021. Um, where can people find you if they want to connect? Yeah. So the easiest way to connect with me is definitely on Instagram. You'll find me there all at least 45 minutes a day. So it's at Lindsay Fricks, um, at L I N D S A Y dot Fricks, F R I C K S. Um, you can obviously email me Lindsay at Lindsay Fricks.com or call me at 480-269-1578. Love that. And I'll have those details below too. Um, Lindsay, thank you so much for joining me. I had a really great time kind of chatting and getting into the nitty gritty of what's working for you. And I'm so happy. Congratulations on all of your success so far. Yay. Thanks, Steph. I owe a huge thanks to you for <laughs> investing in me too. So it has been a really game changer for me to be a part of the Market Authority Academy. I absolutely attribute a significant portion of me being able to just conduct my day-to-day -day business and the systems that I have to having learned from you. You are such an incredible inspiration and a great resource. I'm so appreciative of you. Well, thank you. That means so much. It's been, the pleasure has been all mine, honestly. It's <laughs> been absolutely amazing working with someone like-minded and somebody 
who is who brings so much positivity and light, even when you might not necessarily be feeling it at that moment. Um, so truly, it's been a pleasure working with you. And thank you so much for coming and sharing your story with the audience. Absolutely. Thanks, Steph. Thanks. Well, there you have it. Thank you so much for tuning in. And I hope that you found value and inspiration in Lindsay's story. I know I did. And hey, Lindsay's results in the last year are truly exceptional. But in her words, why not you too? If you're interested in learning more about the Market Authority Academy and you'd like to see if you'd be a good fit, there are links and details below where you can apply and see if working together is right for you. Thank you again so much for tuning in and be sure to hit subscribe to this channel and turn on that little bell notification icon to be notified every time I drop new content just like this. And until next time, keep on crushing it. Thanks for tuning in. A high five on taking some time to invest in yourself and in your business. If you're looking for more, head over to the show notes to find all the details and links to resources mentioned in this episode of the Market Authority Show. And if you're looking to find a new crew of like-minded pros to ask questions and bounce ideas off of, head over to themarketauthorityacademy.com to join my exclusive community on Facebook, check out my latest free masterclass and tons of bonus content, or apply to my mentorship program to learn how I can help you triple your business this year. Until next time, keep on crushing it.